1: You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay,
2: we are live, but you all know the drill. We got to let the stream breathe just for. A couple of seconds, make sure we're getting green check marks across the board, and it looks like we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, who you know and love. He is my fellow football priest. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, props for holding down the halftime stream while I was uh, in a car traveling back from a... uh, impromptu doctor's appointment for my wife. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But Zach, that was uh, a job well done, my friend. And here we are now, two quarters later, the Broncos, I'll, I'll tell you my first reaction off the cuff. All right, here's my gut reaction. I'm stunned the Broncos were able to have a chance under three minutes to win this game. What I'm not, without Drew Locke, what I'm not surprised is is that they came up a a day late and a dollar short. Fourth and two. They they needed two yards, Zach,
3: on two downs. Couldn't get it. You throw it twice there, Chad. Two shotgun passes, empty sets against a blitzing Pittsburgh defense. Again, guys. Anyone who was on with me at halftime. Again, the Broncos lost because of coaching. Coaching lost this ball game for the Broncos. They lost it on Monday night against the Titans. They should have been two and zero. You can argue Denver. They have the talent. That's what they have proven by now. They have the talent to win even without Drew Locke, your quarterback. Even without Phillip Lindsay. Even without Corlin Sutton. Even without Von Miller. You took Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, down to the wire, on the brink, they should have won this game, Chad. The play calling in that situation was atrocious. And Pat Shermer, the entire game, for the most part, was atrocious. Again, coaching, coaching, coaching. It's going to be the detriment to this season, Chad. It's going to be the mantra that we look back on 2020 and say it wasn't the personnel, it wasn't the on-field product, it was the guys on the sidelines with the headsets and the guys up top making the calls. Here's what I'll say. Fangio's defense... They did their job. This this time,
2: they did their job. I mean, that last run by James Conner, the game was already salted away. It was over. The offense blew their chance. The defense kept this a game. They did their job. I'm with you. I got to question those last two plays offensively that the Broncos had. But Vic Fangio, daylight a dollar short. And Zach, every time we talked about Jeff Driscoll in the offseason, and this this kind of intensified when he had a not-so-good training camp, we would touch wood every time we'd mention the prospect of if the Broncos have to turn to Jeff Driscoll, you know, so far, he's not looking very much like a fail safe. He's looking like a, you know, but in this case, you know what? There were some obvious rusty moments for him. You know, that final possession in particular, that some of the throws on that play on that drive, but I'll be honest with you, dude. I am more impressed with what I saw from Driscoll than I expected to be. And that's a credit to him. I think that's a credit to, Uh, Mike Shula, that's a credit to Pat Shermer in a sense as well. And look, this is, again, man, the Broncos against all odds, losing their burgeoning franchise quarterback who was not playing well before he went down, for what it's worth, losing him so early, they still had a chance. You brought something up, Zach, before we went live. The Steelers kind of played down to the Broncos in the second half. I think there is some truth to that, but I also think the Broncos were able to make the most of every opportunity they had in the second half up until that third and fourth down at the end.
3: The Broncos had no business hanging around the second half. You thought going after, you know, into the into the second half from the first half, it was shaping up to be a bloodbath, a blowout. Credit to the Broncos. Uh, they always fight hard, they play hard for Vic Fangio. They never really get blown out, they're always in into the thick of the end of the game. The Steelers did, though, they kind of punched down in the second half. And that happens. You take your foot off the pedal. You saw it last year when the Broncos got up big on Minnesota. We all know the final result there. In terms of Driscoll, I'm right there with you. I was actually impressed. That corner route to uh, Fan in the end zone, that was beautiful. That wheel route to Melvin Gordon, that was a Driscoll dime. Hashtag Driscoll dime. Very impressed. And also that that pass to Fan that he he made that bobbling catch on. Good accuracy, good poise in the pocket. Any other quarterback, Chad, coming in cold, getting hit or pressured on literally every single drop back. He hung in there to the end and he marched the Broncos down the field wasn't his fault it was the play calling. He could have had the Broncos in position to win the game if only Pat Shermer was better on those two final downs. Maybe. I think Driscoll as much as I want to compliment him again
2: I did compliment him I was I was more impressed with him. I thought it was going to be a big time blowout when Locke went down and was yeah. ruled out for the game I was like here we go blowout. but he surprised me. he really did and that's a credit to, to Jeff Driscoll and you know it's a silver lining that we can maybe hold on to a little bit. fans can heading into week three with Tom Brady heading to mile high. But, Zach, he's got to get rid of that ball on fourth down. Maybe it wasn't a great call. Maybe the protection was off. Maybe a running back blew what should have been, oh, look, it's a blitzer. Instead of running my route, I'm going to hang in and pick up this guy. We don't know exactly schematically or or assignment-wise what went wrong there. But at the same time, that was one of the examples of Jeff Driscoll's rust showing in spades, that and also uh, on the goal line, I think it was third quarter, taking that sack uh, from TJ Watt in the red zone. A few moments like that, and you're like, "Look, Jeff Driscoll. Once he shakes off the rust, I mean, look, this dude, Zach. We're gonna grab those super chats. We'll we'll grab Mr. Castillo here in just one second. He finished, Zach. This is Jeff Driscoll's stat line. It's not stunning, but yet he, he went 18 for 34, ended up throwing uh, for 256 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, which should not have been. That was on Cortland Sutton. Right, 84.9 rating."
3: I'll take if it. You're the Denver Broncos. So far, so good on that $2.5 million investment this year. I'd rather pay him the money than Nick Van Chad. So yeah, he was a pretty good pickup, and he's exactly what we thought he would be, a guy who's not going to blow you away, but good enough to hold the fort and win you some ballgames. Pretty much a souped-up version of Brandon Allen from last year. And I'll take that behind Drew Locke. And I'm, I'm actually really impressed with how Driscoll played. He hung in there, showed good poise, accuracy. You can do a lot worse for having a backup than having Jeff Driscoll.
2: Kenneth Booker, we missed your super chat because things were hot and heavy during halftime. This is us going back and grabbing it. We do not miss super chats, so uh, Kenneth jumped in, and this was during halftime. But he's saying, if we get the first pick, trade it for a king's ransom. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I get what you're. I get what you're saying. It's just a little too early in the game. Like this, the the worst thing happened, right? The Broncos have now lost their two best players in a matter of two weeks: Von Miller and Drew Locke. All right, and, and when I say best, you, people can pick nits and say how. You know, Drew Locke hasn't proven to be. Let's just say, at worst, then two of their most I would say their two most important players have already gone down. Then Cortland Sutton. Credit to him, he suits up, he plays. But like we talked about last week, when you're trying to decide as a coaching staff, do I trust him? Can he go? Is he good? You want him to play, and he made some big plays today. He had a couple of twenty yard plus receptions, but you saw. You have to wonder when that ball went through his hands, it ended up in a pick. Was was he like, ow, and was it the pain that affected that? You know, effectiveness is a, is an aspect of any player right. that is playing hurt. And, John, real quick, grab that super chat that – that uh, I don't know if you've already passed it – from Mr. Castillo real quick. Let's get to the super chats hot and heavy here. Jumping in. Appreciate you, Mr. Castillo. He Thank says, you. coaching staff loses the game again. How do they not run it on third and two? Zach, you said it.
3: Uh, it's coaching it's just play calling it's having situational coaching it's the same thing as Fangio's timeouts from Monday night against the Titans it's situational coaching and you would expect Pat Shermer being a noted offensive coordinator and a former head coach he would know in that situation against a very active um, blitz happy defense not to go empty set shotgun passes when you need two yards on two downs and Melvin Gordon for his credit is running very hard why? We, we we don't know what he was thinking, Shab, but it comes down to coaching in the end. It's always the bottom line. I've
2: been waiting. And it only took two games, but I was waiting to see when Melvin Gordon's, you know, supposed, not supposed, but his purported receiving acumen was going to come out in the wash for the Broncos because that was a big reason that the proponents of the Melvin Gordon deal justified it was, well, he can, you know, he brings some receiving chops. He finally kind of cashed in on that. Uh, reputation of his with that touchdown reception that he had. I want to say it was – let me find it real quick. It was a 16-yard uh, catch, nice catch, kind of over the shoulder, in the corner, end zone, nice play by him. He finished, Zach, with 19 carries, 70 yards, and then he also chipped in, of course, three – or excuse me, two receptions on three targets for 14 yards. So a little bit shy of a 100-yard game, but, Zach, that is an extremely stingy Pittsburgh defense, which is why I'm surprised Jeff Driscoll, no fan. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Gordon, they were able to get things going in the second half, and that's a credit to them. Real quick, we got one of the superstars in our community who has a YouTube profile picture that literally brings a tear to my eye, Drew Hollenbeck jumping in. Love you, buddy. He says, Driscoll was good enough to keep us in the game. Gordon
3: stepped up. D could have been a lot worse. coaching,
2: Coaching, coaching.
3: <laughs> That's no. right. Yeah, uh, it all comes down to that. And what Chad just said, I mean, he made a good point. With d- Despite the injuries and despite the opponent, despite the matchup, despite the circumstances, players stepped up. Melvin Gordon stepped up. Hamler stepped up. Driscoll for sure stepped up. The defense toward the end, they did step up. They have the horses, pun intended, to be a winning team. If they just had better situational coaching and play calling, they would be at least 1-1 one one right now, Chad, if not 2-0. and Um, I'm trying to keep an eye out.
2: We got a question here coming in on Twitter from Parker. I'm trying to keep an eye out while we're live. Normally we'd be, you know, in on the Vic Fangio press conference, but we're prioritizing talking to you guys. We'll go back. If you see something on Twitter, as far as an update on, on lock, be sure to get it in the chat stream. John want beast. We'll keep an eye out for that. But up to this point, I don't think there has been any additional insight on the drew lock injury. So uh, only time will tell. For now, we just kind of got to wait until further information comes to light. And, gang, real quick, we still got a lot to get to from today's game, your super chats, your questions, your comments. But first, we got to make sure you uh, tip your cap to sponsor tonight's live stream here, sportsbetting.com. Gang, head over to sportsbetting.com and join today for a risk-free week of betting up to 500 bucks. We love sportsbetting.com. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. So go get uh, go get your betting on over at sportsbetting.com. And Zach, a couple quick things and then we'll get right back into the stream. Got to make sure as the Huddle Up Podcast and Mile High Huddle continue to grow, everyone knows how to connect with us. First and foremost, gang, this is a must. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. And while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. You get those two followed on Twitter, you're not gonna miss anything podcast related or as it relates to your Denver Broncos breaking news and analysis in real time. Gentle reminder, you guys have just been crushing the merch store, HuddleUpPod.com. Head on over there, get your swag on, get yourself one of these MHH trucker hats, get yourself a football priest hat. There's hoodies, there's t-shirts, there's mugs, there's the face mask, as you saw just a minute ago from Drew Hollenbeck's profile pic. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here, HuddleUpPod.com. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's all good. Each and every one of you can do these three things. First and foremost, subscribe like this video this is especially crucial if you're on youtube or facebook and if you really love what we are bringing to the table this content we're bringing to you on the daily share this out there help mhh help the huddle up podcast continue to grow and reach like-minded fans just like you
0: this is the overtime podcast network find your next truck at woodhouse buick gmc no matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you. In the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative Canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com, or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.
1: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Winning season returns at MyBookie.
2: Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie, and here's the best part. Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com that's overtime at advertisecast.com 500 bucks given away at the end of September. All right let's see what we got up here next Zach on the chat stream I don't want to it's moving quickly so I want to get to a few super chats so the stream doesn't jump anybody here let's uh, we grab Chris did, did we grab Chris? Chris no. Hernandez, bona fide superstar. He might, we might have showed it on the screen, but we didn't address it. Jumping in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. 24-year veteran of the Air Force. Also one of our favorite, if not the, but dang close. He's up there. Profile pics on YouTube. Impressed with the outcome despite the injuries and questionable coaching decisions. Zach, I don't, I, I don't know that I would say I'm impressed by certain points. At, I'm, I'm impressed by certain aspects of this game. What I'm kind of hanging on to, it's kind of the burr under my saddle right now is how many when is Vic Fangio's team, whether you got Drew Locke under center or not, when you have a chance to win the game on a final possession, when are the Broncos going to come through in one of those situations? When is it going to happen? We've been waiting now. I'm trying to think last year, I'm going through each and every game right now, the Rolodex in my mind. Aside from the Raiders game, when the Broncos were protecting a lead in week 17. And you had Shelby Harris tip the pass on fourth down, and that was it. I can't think of a play where the Broncos or or game where the Broncos won one of those situations. I might be missing something, but if you're John Elway, you got to wonder when, as right here, Puddle of, I'm not going to say it, Puddle here says, death by inches is so ironic. It really is kind of smacking, you know, bitterly uh, at this point, Zach.
3: Yeah, it's it's it comes down to coaching. The common denominator for last year and this year is coaching. And the Broncos being in those positions themselves, Chad, being in those one score games, being in the thick of things toward the end, having a lead toward the end of the game, protecting a leader, driving for a game winning touchdown. It shows they have the personnel. They have what it takes to win on offense and defense, and this despite their injuries. That's the only excuse Fangio can have. Two seasons now, he's dealt with a major injury on one side of the ball or the other. Uh, This year, it's both sides of the ball. That's the only saving grace and silver lining he can can pull. That's his card. But until he's better situationally and Pat Shermer's better situationally, they're never going to pull off those those close games, Chad, because those incremental margins, the difference in those games is coaching.
2: Yep. It play, it's a huge role. I mean, you look at Mike Tomlin's staff, they bent but didn't break. They got a little close to blowing this thing, but you could just tell when it's a sharply executed coaching performance, collective performance. And An example, just, just as this is a small thing, and this is on the offensive side of the ball for the Steelers, that first down play in which the, the Steelers said, let's take a shot here because we might be able to catch the Broncos sleeping. And sure enough, they were able to. That Claypool touchdown down the left sideline that went for a million miles. Michael Ojemudia, this is something I, w- I was wringing my hands about over the last three days, and I've written about it. We've talked about it on the podcast. Catch, the Burger," and that coaching staff are vets, and they're going to go after the weak link. And the weak link today defensively were the rookie Cornerbacks, you tip your cap to Ojemudia. You tip your cap to Bassie for trying to hang. This was their trial by fire game. It wasn't last week going against Ryan Tannehill. It was this week against Big Ben and that dynamic receiving core. And they just simply, you know, they it showed their rookies. Ojemudia has flashed at times, but you would think in that situation, I know you want to load the box. You're thinking, oh, it's first down. They're relatively deep in their own territory. We're going to load the box, but you you can't give one on one matchups, Zach. To this receiving
3: uh, receiving court, especially when you're relying on rookie corners. And when the ball is coming to you and you get your hands on it, catch the ball. I mean, don't let it go right through your hands. I know that's why you're a cornerback and not a wide receiver, but <laughs> right. those are such game turning plays, Chad. Those can change the entire complexity in two seconds. Ojemudia though, he is very high upside, very promising. I will say I've eaten some crow a little bit on the pick. I think he can blossom into a very uh, decent and very consistent starting cornerback in the system. He has some work to do. It's where he, the, the Broncos miss Bouye. There's no, there's no two ways about it, Chad. He was their number one cornerback, and then you reduce that depth chart to Ojemudia, Callahan, and, and Bosby. It's just, it's such a huge drop off. So for what he's been going through so far, that's two hard teams he's played: the Titans and the Steelers. Ojemudia has done more good, I think, than bad.
2: Kenneth Booker jumping in again on Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. But Thank he. You punctuates this one by saying if we get the first round pick do we trade it for a king's ransom and then he says i don't want trevor lawrence i look zach fingers crossed that whatever the severity of drew Locke's injury is that it's short term and by short term i mean you know two to three weeks tops let's hope fingers crossed if it ends up being something worse than that and the broncos end up vying for the number one overall pick i don't think they take a quarterback but it's so so early it's I can't even really reckon with that at this point, Zach. The complexion of the season is really yet to take shape. It's too early to say that, Kenneth. I'm sorry. I don't really – other than saying it, if it were today right now, I don't think that they would uh, take a quarterback. I don't think they would take Trevor Lawrence, but maybe they would. I don't know. It's just it's just too early to talk something like that, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I don't see that either. They want to at least give Locke one full season as a starter, Chad, before they make a, a determination, good or bad. And right now, with his injury, it complicates things even more. You start to wonder, though, not to bring this theory out there, but last year was the thumb, this year it's the shoulder. You're going to start hearing that injury-prone label being attached to Drew Locke, and the longer that goes on, I think that would influence the Broncos' decision. But let's just see how his injury shakes out, if he can come back from that. It's way, way, way too soon. I can't believe I'm even about to say these words to give up on Drew Locke just yet. Absolutely. And you might say, oh, well, you know.
2: A quarterback like Trevor Lawrence is like passing up on the opportunity to take an Andrew Luck or similar, you know, Patrick Mahomes, maybe. But I don't think if Locke were to miss this season, the rest of the season, knock on wood, okay? I don't think the Broncos are going to be in position for number one anyway. It's a moot point. This team, even without Locke, is going to – the defense will keep this this team in just about every game. And you guys saw today, there's so much talent on the offensive side of the ball – even a fair to middle of the road quarterback like Jeff Driscoll was able to make some hay. And so look, they're not gonna, I don't, I just don't see that as a as a viable issue at this stage. Now we got our friend Don jumping in, six foot ten Mexican on YouTube. Yeah, you, uh, my friend, he says, why start Ojemudia over Bosby so close? That's something that sticks in my crop. This goes to coaching, Zach. Bosby, what did Bosby do? Like who did he pick <laughs> off in camp? Because everything we, we saw from Bosby. Last year, he was good in training camp this year. Who did he offend? Because we don't know it would have been any different if Bosby's on that, uh, you know, playing more in that role today than ojamudia But you got to think his veteran wherewithal would have made some kind of difference. But unfortunately, it was ojamudia Bassey, and then, and then Callahan basically being the number one.
3: Uh, he's getting DeMarcus Walker syndrome, Chad. He's just in the doghouse for whatever reason. And the, the, one of the theories was as to why he didn't even make the final roster at first. He's been an unwilling tackler coming back from that injury. And I could see that even though his upside and his profile right now fits a lot better than Oshimudia. I'm a big Bosby fan, as are you. And as if most of Broncos country is, he showed out really well last year. For whatever reason, though, the coaching staff, and it comes down to coaching again, they just don't think he's as good as we think he is. Bottom
0: line. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: In case you missed it, sports gambling has been legalized in the
2: state of Colorado. Whether you're looking to place your first wager or you're a seasoned betting professional, sportsbetting.com is the place for you. With sharp odds, a huge range of lines, props, and futures, and backed by state-of-the-art data security and encryption, SportsBetting.com gives you all the tools you need to maximize your sports betting experience. SportsBetting.com is a legal and licensed sportsbook in Colorado, so with a fresh slate of games coming up in the NFL this week, plus the NBA playoffs, plus college football, you name it, head on over to SportsBetting.com and get in on the action.
1: Paid for by America First Legal. Bonafide
2: Super Chat Superstar, David Kilgore, also in possession of one of our favorite YouTube profile pics. Love you, buddy. Thank you, David. He says, a couple of questions, guys. If Locke is unable to come back for a while, do we bring Rippon in or do we sign a free agent? Second, is the rash of injuries on the strength coach? Thanks, Not guys. That. <laughs> I that. Look, the strength coach, you know, it's something we've talked about. People get their dander up when we do talk about it. And yeah, for, I understand reason, why people... I understand, I guess, how people can kind of get riled up about the topic of, you know, putting any kind of blame on the strength and conditioning staff, but that's just not something we want to address at this stage, right? It is what it is. You know, let your eyes tell you the truth, all right? As far as the quarterback situation, Zach, it depends on the severity of Locke's injury, in my opinion. If it ends up being something that appears to be longer-term prognosis, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos go bring in a veteran Otherwise, if it ends up being a quicker turnaround, let's just say two to three weeks, something like that. I think, yes, yeah, you, you roll with Rippon, you, you know, and, and uh, Driscoll and hold on for dear life.
3: You know what? It's interesting because guess who the emergency quarterback was for the game? Royce Freeman. I kind of wanted to see what would happen if he played quarterback. That's a whole other story. They're going to have to bring in someone if Locke's injury is anything more than day to day. You can't just have Driscoll on the final roster of the game day roster and no one behind him. So yeah, ripping in that scenario and knock wood that Locke's injury isn't a multi-week injury. He would get promoted to the active roster and maybe the Broncos would sign a veteran to their practice squad utilizing that new rule this year. Though in terms of a starter, I think Driscoll earned another start if Locke is to miss time. They're not going to bring in someone to compete for the starting job. I think Driscoll definitely did enough to give the Broncos confidence that maybe they can forge the gap and hold the fort if Locke is down for a couple weeks or longer. Again, I really don't think – like, again, credit credit to Driscoll, but I
2: think his results were more a reflection <clears throat> of how, you know, you can only keep talent down for so long. Like, no Fant, good Lord, he went off in the second half. What a star he is. He's going to be a stud this year. Sorry, John. We all know it's true in this case. Like, it's finally it's, – it's come out in the wash pretty evidently at this stage. No offense, legit. Sutton, you could tell he made a few plays today, but you could tell something was still kind of gnawing at him with that shoulder, feeling some pain. Jerry Judy with another drop, but he still had some big-time catches. Wow. Um, so that's and three. He might be forward. leading the NFL now, Zach, in drops for what it's worth, two weeks in. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, you know, we never knocked him as a player in terms of his talent. We knocked the contract and its implications with Philip Lindsay, but in any negative criticism – of the Melvin Gordon deal, at this stage, you know, we kind of have to eat some crow anyway because he's kind of saving the day with with now lockdown, uh, Philip Lindsay down. He looked good today. I mean, K.J. Hamler, this was his first NFL game, his debut. Let me tell you what he finished with. Hamler ended up getting seven targets, three catches, 48 yards, plus he had a nine-yard rush. So he contributes over 50 yards of offense. There's just too much talent on this offense for it to just – You know, lay an egg. And it took some some time today, Zach, but it came through finally in the second half. What worries me is what Eddie's talking about. This is Ed Keating, by the way, one of our superstars. He's on Facebook right now. But he says, uh, Wilkinson needs to go, and the coaching has cost us both games. I'm sick to my stomach.
3: He does. I I don't know. I, I can rant about this for an hour and I ranted about it at halftime. I don't know if Wilkinson has compromising pictures on someone of the Broncos front office or what's going on with that. The affinity to Elijah Wilkinson, despite literally getting your quarterback injured, blows my mind. It's among the most puzzling personnel decisions or lack of I've seen in the John Elway era. I don't know what's going on with Wilkinson at right tackle, the offensive line and pass protection, Chad. It seemed like every single drop back, Locke or Driscoll, was either getting hit or, or running for their lives, drifting back, you know, just hurried. It wasn't a clean pocket all game. I do like the talent, and, and it's nice to see that the Broncos remember that Noah Fan exists. After going away from him the entire second half against the Titans, look what he can do. You wonder if they would have kept throwing it to him and feeding him against Tennessee. Would that game have turned out differently? Could they have won that game? He's going to be a star. Hamler is, is looking really solid. Judy, protect his feet at all costs. His footwork, Chad, his stop-start ability is literally insane. So he he impressed me despite the drop. That's correctable. Sudden, he left with that knee and some cramps. Got to monitor that. But once this offense can come together as a whole, quarterback, regardless, notwithstanding, Dr- Lock or Driscoll, they have a lot of young firepower. And if they can just be coached and managed properly, Chad – The sky's the limit. Uh, Real quick, the stream's moving hot and heavy, so we got to
2: do some reverse engineer on the Super Chats and put them in as banners, but we're going to get to them real quick, though. I want to grab this one from James Moss. Appreciate the Super, my friend. And by the way, all of our Super Chat superstars, you got to connect with Zach and I on Twitter and John because we like to be able to shout each Super Chat superstar out on Twitter after each and every uh, stream, each and every podcast. So make sure you reach out and connect with us. And if your name is different, on Twitter, your handle than it is on YouTube. Make sure you let us know who you are. James, by the way, says, "Can Elway hire a decent staff, or does he just hire his friends and pick up strays?" I think this is Zach. Here's the thing: I'm gonna. I've criticized Fangio already. You, we, you've criticized Shermer. We, we, we both have for that final drive. But I don't think this is a case of of this being an indecent coaching staff. I just think that unfortunately, it doesn't matter if you're. You know, I mean, Bill Belichick. Even you lose Tom Brady, uh, you right. lose also four of your five Pro Bowlers that you have on your roster, and you're gonna feel the pain. Now, that's not an excuse for Fangio, but I think the fact that they were even able to compete in this is at least a credit to the coaching staff, the talent as well. There's just still too many faux pas coming from this these coaches, at least from the outside looking in. We don't know exactly. Obviously, we're not inside the head of Jeff Driscoll. We didn't hear the call that came in from Pat Shermer. We didn't hear all the rationale. We can only analyze from what we see from the outside looking in. But, Zach, I'm not ready to say that this is a terrible coaching staff
3: that the Denver Broncos have under Vic Fangio. It's not. It's not terrible, but when you have a coaching staff, when your head coach is also your coordinator, and he's been a coordinator for four decades or close to it around the NFL or around football, then you have an offensive coordinator who was a head coach. Your line coach was a head coach. Your defensive, you know, your in, title only defensive coordinator is your right hand man for Fangio. Uh, it's not a terrible coaching staff, Chad, but they should be coaching better than what they have. I mean, on paper. They're a very talented, experienced bunch, and we all love the Schirmer hire. Most people rationalize firing Skangrella and hiring Schirmer to make Locke a better quarterback. I have really not seen an improvement in Locke from 2019 to 2020. He looks a lot like the same. I know a lot has to do with the offensive line. But it's not overarching dividends you're seeing from the offense or the quarterbacking, and that's exactly why they brought Shermer in. So I wouldn't say they're terrible, but I would definitely say they're underwhelming, and I think that's inarguable at this point. At the same time, it's
2: hard to get too up in arms and critical about an offensive coaching staff
1: Paid for by America First Legal.
2: And you lose as many players in the first two weeks of the season as they have. I mean, just losing the quarterback in the second game on the second possession, I mean, it's it's just a tough spot to be in, and especially with how young this team is on the offensive side of the ball. Real quick, let's grab bona fide superstar Mike Evans, who jumped in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. You. So consistent. Much love to you and respect, my friend. He says, uh, I'm pleased with Driscoll. Revising my win total for the team to be 8-8, eight and eight, but due to coaching. Hopefully, we'll see some growth from them. Amen in terms of hopefully we see some growth. Uh, at this stage, I think, depending on what the prognosis is for Locke, I think we're all going to have to kind of amend our, our uh, season prediction for this team. But again, fingers crossed. If you guys hear or see anything while we're live, let us know if there's anything that comes out on Locke. But it probably doesn't end up being something we know for sure. I would guess till they get back in Denver they might be able to still do an MRI in Pittsburgh and see what's really going on. But that's, I would guess they're holding that back till Monday.
3: That's what I'm thinking. They're going to wait to get in front of their own doctors, their own medical staff back in the Broncos facility and, and do some tests on Drew Locke. I don't know if no news is bad news though, but I, I would hope that by now they can rule out a severe, maybe season ending injury. I just don't want his labrum, you know, his, uh, his rotator cuff to be involved. Just uh, we can hope for maybe a one or two game injury. Cause it looked fairly severe if he was ruled out but we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. I think he underwent some testing in Pittsburgh, but more to come in Denver tomorrow. I do worry about the fact that here we are now two, you know, a, a season
2: and two games into his pro career. And he's just had such bad luck with the health, uh, with the injury bug, really smacking even more so of the comparison to Matthew Stafford, who if you guys think right. back, I mean, Matthew Stafford was the number one overall pick back in '09 played 10 games as a rookie and then got hurt three games in in his second year. and then from there he went on a one, two, three, four, five six an eight year run where he didn't miss a game. and then these last two seasons banged up again. So let's hope this is the only game Locke really misses, but it's way too early we don't know. We simply like Zach said, the fact that he was so quickly ruled out is not a positive harbinger of what the prognosis will be, but let's still maintain some hope. Big Kev Peterson jumping in on Super Chat. Love you, bro. Thank he you, says, Kev. not hiring Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan was the biggest mistake John Elway ever made, Zach.
3: It's up there. And I'll, I'll remind you guys again, there could have been a Kyle Shanahan-Wade Phillips pairing. And they, they'd still be coaching, I think, here. And they have a couple playoff wins under their belt by now. You can't really look backward, though. I mean, they didn't hire Shanahan. They went with Vance. It is what it is. You thought they actually upgraded significantly with Vic Fangio. They kind of righted that wrong, and I thought last year they did. But the more and more of these losses pile up, I don't know, Chad. I'm losing a little bit of faith, a little bit.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: <laughs> it's
2: hard not to, right, at this stage when, you know, again, inexplicably they had a chance to win tonight, today's game after the worst possible calamity could, could befall this team, on the second possession, you lose your starting quarterback. The entire hopes of your season pinned on number three. You lose him on the second possession. And you still will find a way. I mean, you draw it up the I mean, who could draw it up any better? You have a chance with your backup quarterback. You're in enemy territory with three minutes to go, the clocks winding down. You got all your timeouts. You got you got this game Zach, on a plate, and you still blow it. When is this coaching staff, when is this team going to start coming through in those moments? I don't blame fans for being frustrated and feeling like it's the same old, same old. And that's a problem, Zach. That's a concern because one of the things John Elway talked about that he feels like Vic Fangio's death by inches ethos when they hired him could remedy is the kind of here we go again feeling. In other words, when because there have been some dark days under VJ, and during those dark days, Elway sensed that the Broncos took on this emotional complexion where when something went wrong, they just eyes to the ground, you know, they would lose their intensity, lose their confidence. And it was kind of the, here we go again and just let them walk all over you and just run roughshod. And at some point you're going to have to worry about that now with Vic Fangio, Look, they showed stronger evidence of overcoming that, those tendencies, especially with the way they finished last season at four and one with Locke. but losing two games To open 2020, Zach, both of which you had a chance to win in the closing moments, it's going to be difficult to stave off that feeling if you're these coaches. You're going to have to get out in front of that ASAP because you saw it on that final possession of Pittsburgh, Zach. How come John Connor on second down rushes for 59 yards, he's got three or four different Broncos just bouncing off him because they have the here we go again by that point. The the offense blew their opportunity, and yeah, they knew the game was already over, so I get that, but still – that's the kind of mindset you have to guard against that.
3: Yeah, very well said. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but I treat 2019 and 2020 as separate entities. It's not the same season anymore. So, yeah, they they closed out last year strong. Fangio showed promise. Drew Locke showed promise. But it's a new season. And Fangio, for the first two games and his coaching staff, was just as an experience and flummoxed as it did last year during that that losing spell. I just wonder, you talk about Vance Joseph and the coaching failure since Gary Kubiak, since Super Bowl 50, I just wonder when the Broncos are going to win because of their coaching and not in spite of their coaching. That's my thing. I want to see when Fangio, whether his game plan or a call that he makes, I want to see him be the deciding factor in a Broncos win. Not the players have to come back and do it on their own and make it a fighting effort despite him. That's what I want to see, Chad. And, and until that happens, he's still unproven, and you can argue maybe not the right man for the Broncos' job. Maybe. We got a super chat coming in from an MHH Mount Rushmore
2: member. We call him Zeus in yes. this neighborhood. Stu McPeak jumping in. No Thank direct you, question or, or a comment with his super chat, but just showing some love. Appreciate you, my friend. And look, this is a message to all our superstars and every fan listening at this game you got to maintain optimism. I know it's hard with what's going on, but there is still a lot of talent on this team. There really is. This offense, this this defense, there's a lot there. The coaches right now, they've been dealt a crappy hand, and so far they haven't really played it in the best way possible, that hand, but there's still an opportunity for this season to turn out and be something. So hold on to it. It's too early to go go all fatalistic and start talking about 2021. Uh, By the way, Levi Hope, shout out to you, my friend, jumping in with wow. a very generous Super Chat. Thank you, in Levi. Fact, this is the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fourth day in a row in which Levi has just been showing us support and love on Super Chat. This is a guy uh, who reached out and said, look, you know, I listen to every podcast uh, after the fact on demand, and I was glad I finally was able to catch a live one. This was on Thursday. I reached out to him. We connected on uh, social media. I told him what the schedule is. Hey, man, it's every day you get a a live stream from 6 o'clock Mountain to 7 p.m. Mountain, except on game day, it's immediately following the game, and he's been with us, each and every one, not only in the stream, but showing us some love, support, and MHH. So, Levi, credit to you, my friend, and appreciate you. He says, 2020 is trash. These injuries are insane. Here's what I'll say to, to that effect, Zach. The injury so far, seriously, it's not just an injury to, you know, four, five, six, you know, half a dozen guys. It's all the best players. What in the Sam Hill is going on?
3: Yeah, Saquon Barkley, he tore his ACL. Nick Bosa, I believe he tore his ACL. There's injuries literally everywhere around the league landscape, and you can attribute that to no preseason, a lack of an offseason. It's unfortunate. This this is why I posited before the season started, should it have an asterisk? next to it, the champion. I mean, is this, is this season unique unique enough where there's so many different rules and amendments and injuries. It's just, it's so unique and uncharted. It's unfortunate. You know, the Broncos, they're not different than any other team around the NFL right now. Literally every team has a major injury they're dealing with. That's just, it's just what it's going to be for this season. It's something that
2: the NFL PA was concerned about, which is why they didn't want the preseason because the only, uh, the only, uh, analogy they had was 2011 with the lockout as far as the way this offseason shook out and if I'm not mistaken I want to say injuries were up something like 35 38 percent that year Uh, and it has to do it has everything to do with the fact that there was it's it's no long slow burn buildup and then boom season it's going from you know the fire to the frying pan basically out of the gates a big lineman jumping in appreciate you my friend on super chat can they replace the Gatorade with Ovaltine? Too many injuries. Yeah, I mean, the injuries have just been absolutely killing, and it's unfortunate. And by the way, we got Dylan Von Arks, a bona fide superstar in our community, long-time listener, jumping in. He says, only coaching that upset me today was special teams, to be honest. Zach, we haven't even addressed special teams. So drop some knowledge.
3: I said it on the halftime stream, literally while we were alive, they had a big run back on on, to start the second half, the kickoff. And Sam Martin, I can't pin that on Tom McMahon because Sam Martin just dropped the ball, but it's another calamity on special teams. And most of Broncos country were singing his praises, McMahon, after week one. He's still the same old Tom McMahon. This special teams unit, maybe aside from McManus, who's earning his contract quietly, Chad, it's not been good. It's another area of the Broncos where coaching is a detriment. As plain as that.
2: Just when we were singing the praises of Sam Martin, and he's playing right. well today until he, that snafu that, look, that safety changed the complexion of the game because the Broncos tie that and take it to overtime in that final possession. If it's not an th- additional two points added, am I right here? So 24-21, yeah. You are you're you have a chance there on that final possession on fourth and two. Yeah, you didn't get it on third and two. Fourth and two, instead of having to throw and go for it, I mean, you still could have done that, but you would have been in a position in that moment to kick a field goal and tie this. And maybe Big Ben still drives down and gets a field goal and they lose in regulation. But, Zach, death by inches. This is what's so frustrating about this is it's everything Fangio preached in that interview with John Elway that landed him. It's exactly how this team is dying on a week-in, a week-out basis, seemingly, at least to start 2020. Jay Ritchie jumping in. Uh, Shout out to the to to your better half, Ariel, by the way, Jay. Appreciate the support. He's like, guys, come on. Enough with coaching. The coaching, had you lost your number one running back, number one wide receiver, number one quarterback, number one cornerback, number one rush linebacker Vaughn, the coaching is what allowed the lack of talent to be closed. And I I think there is some truth to that. It's not 100%. um, You know, there's always more than one thing can be true at the same time. The coaching, I do think, helped elevate and make this a, a, a game, okay, when by all rights it should have been a blowout when Locke went down. But it's in the critical moment, Zach, is what I have the biggest beef with again with, with this
3: coaching staff. I think you're, you know, to say that you're not crediting the players. You're not crediting Fant for making that catch or Driscoll for making those throws. I mean, the talent brought the Broncos back, I think, despite the coaching. So we can. We can you know, give Fangio the get-out-of-jail-free card with injuries. I said that before. That's going to be his saving grace for this season. But We can also argue they should have been better against Tennessee with the timeouts. They should have been better in situational play calling today. It can be both. Not one thing is ever mutually exclusive in the NFL. It can, like Chad said, both can be true at the same time, and both are true at the same time.
2: It really comes down to situational, Jay. And again, he jumps back in. Appreciate you, my, my friend. Thank you. He says, what team can lose all those key skill players and still be uh, in the game to win? No one. Well, the Broncos, you know, that you're right. It's it. It's a credit to, honestly, it's a credit to the coaching staff, especially on the defensive side today. Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, you know, they did a good job. They relied on their young corners, and you you can pick a knit and say, why was Moody in there? It should have been Bosby and maybe it would have been different, and there's some truth to that probably. We can guess anyway. But the defense, outside of that one big play, all right, the one big gash play, there's there was a few touchdown passes from big, big Ben Roethlisberger, but the dagger was, and you don't usually, we haven't seen that from Fangio's defense since he became the head coach. They bend, they don't break. They've been able to get by by the skin of their teeth without the sacks, without the takeaways I'm um, going back to 2019 because they don't allow the big play and they allowed that to happen today, Zach.
3: You know what? And I've noticed when the Broncos send pressure, when they blitz, good things tend to happen. And I don't know why they, they just ha- are reluctant to blitz. I know it's not Fangio's thing. He likes playing coverage and kind of disguising his looks, but they should send more people after the quarterback because I will say they went to Heinz Field. The, the Steelers' offense was at full strength for the most part, minus the right tackle, and they, they held him down. They, they made some game-turning uh, plays. Three and outs got off the field. I think the defense did as much as they can do. And just if the offense was better in certain spots, they don't lose their quarterback and their wide receiver one.
2: Also, keep in mind, gang, that this is the gut reaction. All right. You're going to get some more. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on being professional here, but we are going to have some more emotional takes. We haven't had time to sit and study the All-22. We haven't had time to look at any advanced analytics. We haven't heard what Coach Fangio or any of the availability today's had to say because we're talking to you right now. So some of it, you know, you got you got to keep that in mind. And Christy, by the way, jumping in, the queen of MHH, appreciate you. Yes. And you. your generosity as always, Christy. And by the way, I did get your DM. I did get your email. And we'll have something to... Announce very soon with regard to that email. Appreciate you. She says, uh, tell me something positive, guys. I'm having a hard time finding that right now. Thank you, Christy. And that kind of echoes Albert as well, who's one of our Facebook supporters. Appreciate you, Albert. He says, why are you so negative? Our offense is young, lost a couple key players, still had a shot of winning. This offense will gel
0: as a unit.
1: Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: Let's let's focus on some positives for a minute. Because I'm a we're both more optimistic guys. That's one of the reasons why we've been able to, you know, succeed in our 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 realm, right? In our lane, so to speak, is we do view the glass as half full. You have to, if you're going to be successful in anything in life, you have to be an optimist. Okay. Doesn't mean you dispense completely with pragmatism, but you have to try and find the silver lining in order to maintain that, that focus and mindset and that drive and motivation. So that being said, Zach, what are some of the positives that you saw from today?
3: A young collection of offensive talent. Uh, you, you saw Jerry Judy. You saw K.J. Hamler. You saw Noah Fant. You even saw um, you know Jeff Driscoll, the quarterback. This team, especially on offense, has a lot of talent that kind of flies under the radar. But collectively, even Melvin Gordon – he looked like an $8 million a year running back or close to it. And that's if he could just live up to his contract, he would be a major asset for this offense like we've been talking about. So one of the positives is that the Broncos have a solid, youthful foundation on offense. And on defense, I think one of the positives is Bradley Chubb looked a little bit like more himself today, Chad. A little less tentative, a little more explosive, a willing tackler. There's positives to be had. Obviously, Locke's injury is a damper. Fangio's coaching or lack thereof is a damper. But the offensive talent, the rookie class, the young contributors, the foundation and the nucleus of this team, that's what's most encouraging regardless of how the season turns out.
2: Well said. A couple other things I'll add to that is that, you know, you saw – what's the best way to put this? You're seeing a team, as much as – you know, the, a lot of the same faces from last year are on this team, obviously. But there's a lot of turnover. The Denver Broncos went into this draft with 10 picks, and they made all 10 picks, um, which is why you only saw seven college free agent signings following the draft this particular time. But oh, these, these this new collection, they, this version of your Denver Broncos, the 2020 Broncos, are figuring out how to play together, figuring out their identity. And when you have turnover at the coaching level year over year, you're going to struggle out of the gates to find that identity, especially when you're still trying to get a franchise quarterback question answered. And you're seeing this team through adversity and through very close losses. They're going to start figuring some things out. My concern here, Zach, is that it ends up like last year where they figure it out down the stretch. It's too late. Your stretch run, you figured it out, credit to you. But by virtue of your trial and error process in which you were unable to, because the one thing we were talking about is we felt like with lock under center, This is something we talked about during the offseason in training camp. With Locke under center, there's still going to be some trial and error learning curve. This is only his second year. There are going to be some bumps in the road, but that there was enough talent from Locke, enough talent on offense and defense, and enough coaching wherewithal to win more than they lose in those situations. What you can't account for, what you cannot foresee, is the injury bug, okay? And so in that sense, like Zach said, there's a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. you got to take some of the criticism off of this team, When they're, it's not just a few guys going down. It's every guy that goes down is a crucial key player and a Pro Bowler or a, you know, starter that this this team is is relying on. So allow this team to continue to kind of come together and figure it out. Hopefully, they get locked back sooner than later. We'll get to more of that though. Let's grab Justin real quick. Jumping in, appreciate you, Justin. Justin, Justin, are you on Twitter? I'm trying to think if I have if if I know what your Twitter. I don't think so. If you are, reach out and connect with us. We'll shout you out after the show. Appreciate the support. He says, what's up, fellas? If Locke is out for a period of time, do they go get another vet to back him up or roll with what they have? Dotson not playing blows my mind. Me Justin, too. You might have missed it initially. We think that if it is a two or three week turnaround type thing for Locke, they don't end up going out and getting a vet. They just promote ripping. If it's longer than that, I would think they probably go see what's out there. Doesn't necessarily mean they bring one in, but they're gonna at least take a look. They'll be taking a look tonight, to be honest with you. Um, but we'll see. But the the issue of Dotson, Zach, I know you talked a lot about this during the halftime stream, but what's it gonna take? And and we hated to say, we hated to even bring up the idea that what's it gonna take? An injury to lock to, to that it didn't change. He stayed
3: in the game. I was, you know, I was half serious when I said that, Chad. I didn't think the Broncos would actually let it get that far, because we saw in scrimmages, we saw in practices, we saw last week against the Titans, Wilkinson is a detriment. He is no better than having a literal traffic cone at right tackle. He is the worst tackle I have ever seen in my years of covering the Broncos. Worse than Donald Stevenson, and worse than Menelik Watson. And when you're worse than those two, you have no business being on a football team, let alone in a starting lineup. I don't know what the point of even having DeMar Dotson on the team is, Chad, if your right tackle, who's not even a tackle, is getting your quarterback killed, and Dotson can't get in the game. i I, That's where I think the players start to lose a little bit of respect for the coaching staff, because obviously they're getting their quarterback killed. It's not putting them in the best chance to win. What are we doing? Why is he in the ballgame? I have no answer for it. I am perplexed as you. It makes no sense. it's, It's coaching. Coaching, coaching, coaching.
2: We got to do a this ties in also to our uh our friend Zachary Smouse, who I'm gonna have to do a reverse engineer real quick on his super chat. John, thanks for keeping an eye out there. We did miss him because the chat stream is just so active tonight. I love you guys. Um we'll grab Z dub next. John Dale. So on Facebook. So we need all new coaches again, or will they figure this out? It's again as much as we want to be critical of this coaching staff, Zach, it's hard to jump to any overarching conclusion when the injury bug just won't slow down. Yeah, relent. Yeah. It just won't, it just won't relent.
3: Yeah. I I I you can't blame the coaching staff. And again, having those injuries, losing Vaughn for the year alone. That's your get out of jail free card. Then having your franchise quarterback go down, potential franchise quarterback. You know, there's they're gonna get this year of the coaching staff. Regardless, though, next year, if when Fangio does survive, that's the hot seat time. That's put up or shut up, crap or get off the pot. Um, he could be fired next year. But I think the coaches, say what you want about them, Chad. I think they are safe for the season. Our friend uh, Zachary
2: Smouse in the house jumping in earlier in the conversation. Appreciate you. Zach. Thank you, Zachary. He says, when is Dotson going to be ready? Wilkinson needs to be replaced ASAP. He's ready. He's been ready. He's a veteran. He's been in the league 11 years. He's an eight-year starter at right tackle. He's ready. Okay? Yeah, he got to training camp. He got to the Broncos on literally his training camp is starting. But it's not as steep of a learning curve for an offensive tackle as it is a wide receiver or any defensive player. You know, you got to know your protections. You got to know some of the verbiage and all that stuff. But – He's ready, guys. There's no – this is simply the Broncos saying, no, we're kind of tied to Wilkinson on this $3.2 million RFA tender. That's guaranteed. He was our guy last year. He's going to be our guy. This is them basically just kind of being stubborn. I think you got to blame Mike Munchak a little bit on this, and, you know, far be it for me to criticize Munchak. He's he's a Hall (laughs) of Famer. But at the same time, you do have to question it at this stage. you got to wonder what in the heck. We said, again, is it going to take – Calamity is it going to take abject, you know, just the worst possible outcome to happen in order to spark change? Turns out, maybe, maybe not. We'll see what if that was enough, Zach.
3: Chad, but Fangio is the head coach. He has autonomy to go over Munchak's head and get Wilkinson the hell out of the game. So that's where I put it on Fangio. I don't want to hear about young coach or inexperienced or defensive-minded. He has the autonomy and the power to make that call. As revered as Munchak is, he's still a subordinate below Vic Fangio. So again, it, it, it lays at Fangio's feet being the head coach of the entire team. He's not just the coordinator. He runs the entire operation, Chad. Tucker on
2: Facebook, if
3: we're close in so many games, it shows we have the horses.
2: The talent overall is there. The offensive line still needs some work, but remember today, gang too. This is the best defensive front, in my opinion, in football. And you saw it. Um he says uh still needs some work, but coaching needs to change somehow. Coaching is a major issue. You know, we've talked a lot about coaching. It wasn't all the coach's fault. Um, you know, the players failed to execute in some critical moments. I mean, we can talk about the um sack on lock that got him hurt we can talk about Ojemudia dropping an interception in the end zone we can talk about Ojemudia getting burned down the left sideline for whatever it was 85 80 yard touchdown whatever it was uh we can talk about Sam Martin literally changing how the end of the game could could have uh, shaped up by dropping a dead on target long snap in his own end zone safety you know we could sit here and, and count it up there's there are a lot of execution errors, but this team, and this is why Tucker is right. This team was still had a chance. This team still had a chance to win it inexplicably against all odds at the end of the game, but they came up short. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to put your finger on it, Zach, because you think, well, when are they going to start figuring out how to win some of these close games? Right. We've said that a couple of times tonight. Well, at the same time, the flip side to that coin is how can you develop a collective knowledge and learning and and progress when it's the injury bug is cycling through so many different players including with the quarterback you know if that's drew lock i i i would put money that that final possession comes down and and they're able to punch it in i would i would have put money on that just the way the momentum swing in favor of the broncos in the second half of that fourth quarter but it just again the injury bug man it's 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 if you allow it to, it's going to completely take the wind out of your sails. So for now, don't do it. Hold out hope. We don't know what the future holds with Drew Locke's injury yet. Try and stay positive. Stay positive for now, game.
3: And I meant by this, I meant young as in second-year coach, not literally old and young. I mean, he's an old older guy, but second-year coach. And we have an update, Chad. Locke gave an interview with a, a sling on, and okay. he said he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. I, I saw the comments in the chat stream, if I can find them. He said it was – uh it was funny to throw after the injury. He felt funny, and he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. So it's not great that he's in a sling, but if it was a broken collarbone or something more significant, I think we would have known about it already. Here is
2: what Mike Cliss says about the injury specifically. Let me grab this so everyone can see. We can all follow along here. Quote from Cliss on Twitter, Lock MRI tomorrow, and because it is his throwing arm Team may proceed cautiously. Well, they'll absolutely proceed cautiously. And you know what, Zach? (laughs) You know what, Zach? I think the performance of Jeff Driscoll today is a little bit encouraging for the coaching staff to say, all right, you know, we can, if it ends up being a week-to-week type injury for Drew Locke, we can, you know, try and get by for a game or two because of Jeff Driscoll and not rushing back out there.
3: Well, you can beat the Jets in Week Four. I don't know about the Buccaneers. They look pretty good today after their Week One loss. Brady did look a little better today. So yeah, you can maybe ride the Driscoll train and Melvin Gordon running the ball and playing better defense. You can get by, but not having your franchise quarterback out there. Or I'm sorry, I saw some uh, you know some contention in the comments about that. Your potential franchise quarterback in Drew Locke. And uh, based on this uh, question by Mark Langley coming in here, four ninety nine. Thank you so much, Mark. Just want to add that. That ligaments feeling funny, that kind of scares me. I was worried about a labrum, a rotator cuff. I hope it's not that severe. A lot of ligaments in that throwing shoulder. I wish it was his left shoulder, not his throwing shoulder. But we'll have to see what the MRI brings tomorrow. looks like no bones broken, though. Nothing majorly, no collarbone, anything like that. So, fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, I mean, usually, especially when you're on the road, even if this game was at home, they
3: would say whatever
2: the injury was, they would get an MRI at the facility, and they wouldn't probably put out any information on that till the next day. Then they would provide some information and say, we're going to get another MRI if it was really bad. We're going to go get a second opinion. Okay. So, all, for now, we don't really know much more than what we already knew, but it is at least encouraging to hear that he was talking to media a little bit. Like he was... It, I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but... right,
3: I was going to say, if it was super severe, he wouldn't be talking. He wouldn't be given press availability. So, that's, that's a good point. Uh, we jumping in one of our superstars
2: here and there jumps in supports the cause Thank it you. all adds up it all helps uh keep the lights on here at mhh appreciate you we should the broncos use philip Lindsay and melvin gordon like the browns use kareem hunt and nick chubb on the bright side we're not like the falcons
3: no <laughs> yeah the falcons blew what was it like a uh The the Cowboys came out with that victory today. It was it was incredible forty to thirty nine. They they scored like nineteen or sixteen points in the final five minutes. Yeah, at least it always be worse, guys. Um, you know that's that's how it goes in the NFL though, Chad.
2: Absolutely. There's a few things I want to get to. We're we're coming close to an hour, but we're not in a huge rush to to get off. I want to shout out this particular superstar who the stream jumped, but we're still going to give you your props and thank you, Anthony Edwards, on Super Chat. Much appreciated, my friend. Again, to our new superstars, make sure you reach out on Twitter and connect with us so that we can, first of all, we want to be connected with everyone in our community. There's Anthony, but especially the superstars because, you know, you guys are contributing to the cause here. You guys are helping to provide this content to everybody else. I mean, so thank you. We want to stay in touch. Reach out, connect with us on Twitter. Uh, Anthony jumps in again to say, appreciate you, dog. I would hate to see Locke's career end up like Jake Locker's with just poor offensive line play, getting him injured, and derailing his career. Yeah, we would all hate to see that. Um, again, he's been so I think the quarterback that Locke has been most compared to since coming becoming an NFL prospect, really, is in fact Matthew Stafford. And so far, hopefully knock on wood, this injury doesn't be doesn't end up being as consuming for year two as as Matthew Stafford's was, but it just the, the similarity, the analogy is so close. It's striking. Glenn Hauser also jumping in ju- uh, on Super Chat. Thank you. Bonafide God. superstar. Uh, provided just – he provides so much to our community. He's got a podcast going. Credit to Glenn and Mundungas and Christy and Adon, what they got going with their pod. Congrats to you guys. Um, Glenn, we love you, buddy. What else can we say? Injuries had nothing to do with poor play calling at the end. And McManus trying a 58-yarder. We haven't talked about that, Zach. And giving Pittsburgh the ball. Back. hashtag These players have heart. hashtag MHH. We're talking about a kicker who not only just got paid, but it's the same kicker who was throwing his helmet around on the sideline last year when Fanduel <laughs> went, went attempt a seventy some odd yarder. Right. He he just he hit a forty eight yarder to get on the board to, to break the ice for the Broncos early in the game, but when it goes from fifty or more, you can't even. It's not even flip a coin odds for for McManus. We're talking over the last. Two years, we're talking like twenty five percent. It's like a quarter of the time he'll hit those kicks. So I know Vic Fangio and the team, Zach, Tom McMahon. They see him hit these things in practice, but for whatever reason, when he's fifty yards or more in a game, three times as as often as he does, he misses those. So if you're Vic Fangio and you know that you got a momentum, if he misses this, you got a momentum swinger in a shorter field for the opponent. That's got to start factoring into your decision making. I don't trust Brandon McManus from 50 yards out. I really don't. I just, it, if if it's a must, like if it's a quarter, it's a second quarter uh, ending kick, okay, go ahead and do it. If it's an end of game, you have to do it. But in those situations right. in between, Zach, right. I'm not, I'm sorry, unless it's 50, 52, 54, unless I'm at mile high maybe,
3: but still, right. he just isn't hitting those kicks. That was my thing. It's so hard to kick at Heinz Field for whatever reason. When there's wind, there's those crosswinds. It's just a tough place to play. I mentioned that on the podcast the other day to attempt that field goal shows little confidence shed in the rest of your team. It was a desperation ploy that it seemed like they're trying to justify McManus's contract. Here, go earn your money by nailing a 58-yard kick. And like you said, McManus has thrown kind of a hissy fit about getting those chances and he wants to set a record and hit these 70-yard kicks. If you can't hit 58, bro, you're not going to hit 70. So let's pump the brakes on that. He was good otherwise, Chad, but sending him out there again, you can say it's another questionable coaching decision, squandering that field position in that game at that point. We got Raul. And by the way,
2: <clears throat> real quick, Glenn's question was not question point. Didn't really hear Malik Reed's name mentioned. Yeah, slow day for him. <clears throat> but I will say that Jerry atatu and, and Bradley Chubb, again, this is why I took some criticism, Zach, for mentioning in my winners and losers article last week coming out of the Titans game that Bradley Chubb and Bryce Callahan were winners, even though they didn't particularly flash or make a huge impact. The winning aspect of that was that they got their first game under their belt, the confidence booster, all that. We talked about it before and you saw that begin to come out in the wash today. They took another step forward uh, in week two. And I think Chubb is going to continue to build up steam. It's going to take probably the majority of this first quarter of the season. But by the time you get into the second quarter of the season, I think you're going to see the old Bradley Chubb doing his thing. and. You know he's probably not going to be the same quality star level pass rusher that Von Miller was in his prime or at his age, but he's a guy that I think could consistently push for eight to ten sacks a year, and especially in lieu of of Von Miller at this this season where Von's just not a part of the equation. You need every sack you can get. But Zach, I was stoked from what I saw for the most part. I haven't watched the twenty all twenty two, but from Chubb and Attitude in Week Two.
3: Yeah, Attucks, kind of broke contained on that, that Big Ben touchdown where he kind of scrambled outside the pocket, hitting the end zone. But uh, Malik Reed, he he's he is what he is. He's not Von Miller, and when you have a, a kind of a weakened Bradley Chubb and no Von Miller, the onus is on you. And the Steelers' offense did a good job scheming him out of the game. Um, I thought Chubb, though, like you said, Chad, the more and more that he plays and he comes out of these games unscathed and he gets more confidence back in his body. You're going to see the more and more old Bradley Chubb come out. It won't be long before he gets his first sack. Then after that, it won't be long before he makes his first game-changing play: sack, fumble, strip, fumble. So, like Chad said perfectly, it's going to take probably four to six games. But after that, you will see the 2018 Chubb come right back into action.
2: And by the way, that
3: left tackle, Andre Villanueva,
2: Alejandro, excuse me, Villanueva. You know he's a he's a top shelf left tackle in this league. He's a Pro Bowl. And he didn't have a great week one, but he played a lot better today. Uh, Raul on Facebook jumping in to say, as for our free agent signings, Graham Glasgow, Jeff Driscoll, Sam Martin, and Melvin Gordon have proven to be contribut- uh, contributors this early on in the season. But Nick Vanette, no business on the field. Yeah, uh, we can put a little asterisk on uh, Martin. But yeah, Vanette, what's, dude, give me back Jeff Hyerman, like, quick. If we're <laughs> talking about – I'm joking. Whoa, whoa. I'm joking. But I've seen nothing from Nick Vanette up to this point that makes me go, yeah, that was an investment well-made. Like, I'd rather see Butt out there in those snaps. I'd rather see uh, Albert Okuwe Boonham. I'd rather see Andrew Beck, based on what we've seen from Bennett so far,
3: very underwhelming. How about more Noah Fant? Can we just keep it at that? Yeah. Can we not yeah. try to keep force-feeding these and funneling these targets to other tight ends not name Noah Fant? Nick Van he has no business on this team, Chad. For a blocker, he's not a very good blocker. He brings nothing to the table in terms of being a pass catcher. He fell uh, on his own two feet, Chad, he tripped over the turf monster, fell to the ground, then got tackled trying to get back up. It was a pretty embarrassing sequence. He, he just brings nothing to the table. And and again, that was wasted money. I said it then when they signed him and I'll say it until they release him. That's a wasted addition to this team.
2: It really was. If the Broncos have anything in spades this year, it's talent and depth that tied in. And I get that you didn't have, you didn't know for sure what you were gonna get from Jake butt in training camp was he gonna stay healthy um, but you at least had already Jeff Himan yeah you're paying a little bit less to Nick Vanette. they're saving about two million if you're you know comparing Jeff Himan and Nick vanette's contract but so far that savings hasn't justified you know the the play up to this point I should say hasn't justified the savings uh, RIP TG TG now this RIP. So TG, for those of you who don't know, was is in our hearts still big-time member of our community um, who our understanding is, is no longer with us. RIP, if you know TG, please reach out to me or Zach and uh, email us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Reach out on social media. If you know anything about TG, please reach out to us so we can get some background. We want We'd like to be able to Talk, you know, just give our regards and thoughts and prayers if we can to his family and stuff like that. So please reach out and let us know if you know him, uh, but or knew him, I should say. Prayers up. The upside is we don't look like the Jets. LOL. Zach, the Broncos are not the Jets. That's why Kenneth Booker, who we love, God bless Kenneth Booker, big time member of this community, it's just too early to start saying number one overall pick. This is not Jets level ineptitude. This is not Jets level dearth of talent in all three phases. This is. Just an off- offense and defense. This is just a team that can't get out of the injury bug's way.
3: But does that make it acceptable? I mean, is that the standard that we're trying to aspire to, that we're not the Jets or we're not the Falcons for giving up a fourth quarter lead? I mean, I'm so tired of settling for mediocrity. I'm, I'm tired of being complacent when I want this team to keep winning and being back on the NFL map, being relevant again, being back in the postseason streaming together victories, dominating opponents, blowing out opponents. I want to see that. I want to see the Pat Bowlen standard come back, Chad, and not the bar keep lowering and lowering and lowering. Before it was, okay, we'll be close to 500. Then it was, we're, we're not as bad as last year. Now we're not the Jets. That's what we're trying to be here. So I, I don't I don't accept it. I want the Broncos to be championship standard and championship contenders. Nothing less.
2: I do too. I do too. I just don't think, yeah, I mean, that's, you you count your lucky stars, at least they're not the Jets. They're not even close to being the Jets, to be frank with you. All right, we're at um, an hour six. We got to start winding it down a little bit here. John, I see another one here. Let me just, we don't leave any of our superstars out in the cold. I'm scrolling down here. Oh, there he is, Levi. Wow, man, you are blowing us away, Levi, these last four days, man, you are coming in off the top rope and uh, establishing yourself. Really appreciate you, dog. He says, fellas, I appreciate you guys staying positive. We're gonna we're gonna tell you what we think, and the gut reaction is always gonna be a little bit more emotional, and there's just no getting around that. I don't care if you're radio, I don't care if you're podcast, I don't care if you're ESPN writer covering this team every single day, you become invested. And so when things go horribly, you're going to have emotion is going to impact somehow, some way, your analysis. Okay. There's just People are human, yes, including sports media, including Zach, including me. Yes, we are human. We are your football priests. We are human. <laughs> so this, uh, you know, it's a little bit more emotional today. We'll be a little bit more gathered probably in our analysis, have more time to really analyze the implications and uh, the, and maybe rewatch the game. We'll, the, the tape probably won't be available all 22 till Tuesday. But nevertheless, Levi, we try to keep it positive and support like this from you and all of our superstars and just all of the engagement here in the chat tonight. Is uh, allows us to do that as the fuel. So thank you, my friend.
3: You know, I have this reputation of being this this negative Nancy and just being overly, you know, wringing my hands. But I get credit where it's due. Melvin Gordon played well. Garrett Bowles played well. We're going to tell you like it is. We're not going to sugarcoat good or bad. And that's why I think Broncos fans uh, appreciate about us, Chad, is we bring it straight. It's emotional. It's charged. But that's what it has to be after a loss like that. As gut-wrenching as it is, we can't just sit back and, and blow smoke or just kill the team completely. We have to be objective, and I think we do a good job at that. Unfortunately for Bowles, he did play relatively
2: well. Today I say relatively because there was a lot of pressure from that front seven, and I haven't watched the All-22. I don't know what he's been credited with in terms of pressures. This is me going off the eye test of watching it on my phone as my wife and I are making a drive, then getting back and kind of juggling a few different things here tonight before or today before we hopped on to do the, the gut reaction. But he didn't jump out to me as being a liability solid in pass protection. But he did, Zach, have that one holding foul in the fourth quarter, and it was on a run play, which is atypical. Usually, I mean, I should say, traditionally with Garrett Bowles, if the yellow laundry flies, it's going to be on a pass play. Uh, you know, there's a couple of exceptions I can think of off the top of my head, but, yeah, that did jump out today, and that's something that he's going to have to, you know, try and continue to limit. But, you know, the last six, seven games, eight games of his – it tells me, encourages me that he is going to be able to limit those. And Flippin' Boots jumping back in – or jumping in. Thank you, Flippin'. It's good to see you, Thank dog. You. Can't have Locke being aggressive with Wilkinson. And that brings up a good point that I've kept, I've just kept forgetting to bring up. What in the hell was Drew Locke thinking? Throw the freaking ball away, dude. You're not right. Patrick Mahomes. And by, by that, I, there's multiple levels of analysis on that statement. But what I mean is physical – Patrick Mahomes is a big, strong dude, okay? You're not Cam Newton. You're not Josh Allen. You've already shown to have a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to call him injury prone, but some bad luck early on in your career. Let's just put it that way. You got to be smart enough in those situations. You got, and I'm sure the coaches drilled this into him. In fact, I saw in a series later on in the game, Pat Shermer criticizing Jeff Driscoll for not throwing it away uh, when he should have and taking a sack as he's coming to the sideline I would assume Drew Locke had been coached and told, you know, hey, man, if it's not there, just get rid of it. This pass rush is too ferocious. I was as as disappointed, Zach, as I was to see Drew Locke go down, just like everybody else. There was that part of me in the back of my mind going, Drew, it's early in the game. Live to fight another day. Throw that ball away. I mean, the one, he he begins to fall, picks himself up off the ground, and then literally as he's kind of picking himself up off, boom, the hit from behind, and you just saw right away that was – that was going to be an owie type hit. And you just, I mean, I guess it's going to take, um, you know, disaster for Drew Locke to learn some of those lessons.
3: If you didn't know anything about Drew Locke, if I blindfolded you and knew nothing about him and I put on that play, you would immediately know he was a young quarterback because that is the trademark of a young quarterback is trying to extend plays and making something happen and not having the foresight to, like you said, live to fight another down, throw the ball away, Put yourself out of harm's way and get your offense out of harm's way as well. So that's Locke being young, inexperienced. The more he plays, the more he'll realize he has to do that. And I think the injury now, Chad, kind of drilled it into his head. Listen, if you don't want to get hurt, if you don't want to hurt your team, you got to know when to just say uncle on certain uh, certain downs.
2: Live to fight another day. You know, it was early in the game. You don't need to play hero ball on the second possession. Uh, James Moss jumping back in. Appreciate you, you, James. Reach out on Twitter, my friend, and if we are already connected, please still just reach out and let me know who you are so I can make sure we're, I know what your handle is and all that stuff. Uh, James says, remember, last year when Bowles was terrible and got better, maybe Mike Munchak thinks he can fix Wilkinson the same way. It's possible. In fact, I mean, I, I'm sure he believes that he is a work in progress and that there's some upside and he can mold him, but at what cost? especially when you have a better option. Potentially, we don't know that for sure. I think, objectively speaking, you can say, just by virtue of his experience, that DeMar Dotson is a better option. And he's not a guard miscast at tackle. He's a tackle, right? Six foot nine, long dude with experience. Get him in the game, Mike.
3: And I don't buy this at all because last year Bowles never got a quarterback killed. Elijah Wilkinson threw barely two games. It wasn't even two full games, got his quarterback injured. So no, he's not trying to fix him. You can't fix an unnatural tackle coming off surgery to expect him to play right tackle as good as a guy you had in Jawan James or potentially as good as Jawan James. It's not, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's trying to fix him. I think it's just being stubborn or. Dotson's not showing something in practice, Chad, that gives the Broncos confidence that he can play well in the game for whatever reason. I don't know what the loyalty to uh, Elijah Wilkinson is, but it's already cost the Broncos Sherlock. Let's see how many more things it can cost them as time goes on. All right, a couple more, and then we got to get out of here for today. But make sure, gang,
2: you keep it with milehighhuddle.com because we're going to be dropping a ton of content on the website as soon as we hop off this live stream. Yeah. Uh, From that's breaking two to six weeks from Adam Schefter, son of a bee. Driscoll time, two to six weeks from Adam Schefter. All right, for those of you listening, I'm reading a let me let me jump in and make sure I don't want to say something. No, no offense to you, my friend. Let me grab Adam Schefter um, on Twitter. Let me find the tweet. Could be worse, but I was hoping it wouldn't be that. Here's the tweet. I'll let everybody see it. Uh, From Adam Schefter here, bear with me one second, right as we're about to hop off, uh, that news comes down the wire, surprise, surprise, from Mr. Connected in Denver himself, Adam Schefter. Quote, Broncos quarterback Drew Locke, who was in a sling after today's loss to Pittsburgh, sprained his AC joint, is expected to be sidelined between two to six weeks per me. And Jeff Legwald, of course, is the local Denver beat writer who's there. He will undergo an MRI on Monday to help determine extent of damage and exactly, of course, how long he will miss. Zach, you know, so let's talk about that for a second. This might extend our our show a little bit tonight, but two to six weeks, best case scenario, two weeks. That's back in time for week five against the Patriots. Worst case scenario, your middle of the season. What, What did you see from Jeff Driscoll today? that gives you any kind of encouragement that the Broncos can at least hang in that interim?
3: Well, you have the Bucks. They don't have the best defense in the world. And he, he, you saw that Driscoll can not only move the ball, but he can put points on the scoreboard. And if Melvin Gordon can run like he did, they can, they can hang with the Buccaneers. And if they can play good defense against Brady, they can win that game. Not worried about the Jets, Chad. And you know what? Sprained AC joint, same injury as Cortland Sutton. So it's a pain-tolerance injury. If he can come back in two weeks – the season's still very much, you know, on off-life support. You know, it could be the the shorter end of that time frame. It could be two weeks and not six, but um, it's definitely unfortunate. We're going to see Driscoll, for I think, for at least two games because that Jets game is a Monday night. I think week five could be the earliest he'd come back. They're going to have to beat the Bucs or else the season is over. It could happen. It's, it's not the Saints. It's not the Chiefs that are playing. It's a beatable opponent. I think they can win with Driscoll. They can do it.
2: Prank Films jumping in real quick. We got to wind this down, gang. Sorry, got some uh, articles. We got to get up some news on lock, <clears throat> uh, but we don't leave any superstar out in the wind. Prank Films jumping in. Appreciate you. I feel like this is going to be the year of the backup. Sadly, with all the injuries, the Broncos have a tough schedule, but I think they can still win some games. Zach, I do think they can win some games. This thing isn't over. That encouraged me today. They just got to figure out collectively as a coaching staff and as a t- as a team, personnel too. Why are we coming up short when the chips are down? We're within inches of of victory. We're snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. How can we tighten this ship? Uh, Aaron also jumping in. Appreciate you, my dog Thank um, you. on super chat. Don't forget again, Aaron, reach out on Twitter, connect with us. We want to be able to stay in touch with our superstars and shout you out after the show. We can't keep shooting ourselves in the foot, drop balls, safety, missed assignments. We got to fix these phases of the game. And that's true, Zach. I mean, no, rarely is a is a is a football team perfect in a game in the NFL there's always going to be that one or two plays that you that you wish back but it's hard to blame the Broncos too much when they just continually keep having this terrible freaking luck with the injury bug
3: they're taking a revolver, Chad, and just shooting themselves in the foot and looking at the gun and reloading it and doing it all over again. They can't get out of their own way. They're their own worst enemy. I mean, name your cliche. The Broncos are beating the Broncos right now. They could have beaten the Titans and should have beaten the Titans. They could have beaten the Steelers, and you, you could say they should have beaten the Steelers. They should be right now, despite the injuries and the coaching ineptitude, a 2-0 and team. So as soon as they get out of their own way and stop beating themselves, they will start winning some ballgames. Okay, guys,
2: we got to get out of here for now. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. A Mile High salute to our Super Chat superstars. Much love to our Facebook supporters. Love you guys. If you want to become a supporter, you're one of our Facebook community members, just go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Click that big blue button that jumps right out to you. Become a supporter. We appreciate it. I'm taking this attitude. I would suggest everyone take this attitude that Steven's got here. Still excited for the rest of the season. Be excited, guys. And Despite the disappointment at this stage, remember, three, four months ago, we didn't even know if we'd have football this year. So savor it. Despite the disappointment, despite some of the bitterness at this stage, savor the opportunity that we are watching the Denver Broncos play football. And that's a moral victory regardless. And Zach, one last thing. Shout out. Everyone knows Pobby, bona fide superstar member of the MHH community. I don't want to divulge personal information she might not want out there, but we just want to say our thoughts and prayers are with her and some yeah. stuff that her family is, is going through right now. So, Pobby, maybe you're not with us live, but you're probably listening after the fact. And if you are, shout out from all of us here at Mile High Huddle. You got a lot of love and support behind you between the staffers and the community. So uh, our prayers are with you. And, uh, you know, keep us in the loop on what's going on. If there's anything we can do, by all means, we want to know it. But, gang, in the meantime, follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. You can find me at Chad N. Jensen. And then stay tuned because we will be back in the saddle tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Zach and I will go through the aftermath. We'll pick up the pieces. We'll start looking ahead at what the future holds for this Denver Broncos team and and, uh, take it from there. But, Zach, have a great start to your week, my friend.
3: You too. Uh, Hopefully better days ahead, Chad.
2: Hopefully we'll hear some better news tomorrow. Amen. All right, gang. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us here today, as always. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.